What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Track 27, a Track Christmas. Uh, we invite you guys for a special Christmas with the Rook and the Kid, with the analyst and the medical guy. But first, we want to get it out there. If you are a first-time listener, if you have been listening to us in the past, make sure to download, follow, subscribe when you listen to us. Share it on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you like to present your social media. Share this message across and shadow the script with us. So, But we thank you guys for coming in and tuning in. Um, like I said, shadow the script every Wednesday. This is a new episode of Track. And we got a little special edition this week. I'm going to be out of town along with everyone else um, all next week. So we decided to do a two-part episode series this week, releasing Wednesday and Saturday morning. Um, so in this first episode, we're going to be covering a lot of the recap. We're going to have a shadow of the script for both episodes. And then Friday, uh, we'll record, drop it on Saturday, and we'll do our predictions. So we're going to have recap for the Cowboys games, predictions for the Miami game, and all the things in between. So, and a double edition of track rankings for Christmas to uh, wrap us up before the holiday. Um, and we are excited for that. So, the analyst joining us today for Track 27 Part 1 and the, uh, I'm sorry, for Part 2 on Saturday. I always get y'all two mixed up every time, and it pisses me the hell off. The medical guy. The medicalist. Yeah. God uh, bless America. Write <laughs> <laughs> that shit down. The medical guy is joining us for Part 1, and then we've got the analyst in Part 2 later this week. But let's get into the Shadow of the Script segment. Of course, if you guys have been paying, paying paying attention and you've been on Twitter, you saw the Rashard Mendenhall famous tweet that he put out. And this is the former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said, I'm sick and tired of average white guys commentating on commenting on football. Y'all not even good at football. Can we please replace the pro ball with an all black versus all white ball so that these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. <laughs> and, I, and as you can imagine uh the internet took storm with this heavy uh will compton put some stuff out there with busting with the boys um even some espn analysts were having some fun with it uh jason whitlock with um he has his own platform out there said some pretty yeah uh, it was serious but it was uh it, it, it actually got to richard mendenhall about him dating a white having a white wife um, man, it was a pretty strong message, but yeah, um, we thought it'd be best um, to draft an all-white team and <laughs> and see how we would fare with it. And I know it's going to be similar to all the other people out there, but we want to add a little little taste to it, a little little spice to it. Getting a GM, getting a coach in there, um, get the whole staff in there, and I guarantee you, we're gonna we're gonna solve this thing right here. But the medical <laughs> guy, I'm sure you can start us off with our. A little bit of our offensive roster, and we'll just start start collabing about who we could get on this all white team. Yeah, and and to start it off, I mean, this is all fun. I mean, everybody's had this conversation before. If you've ever been in a locker room, it doesn't matter what sport either. Like you, you literally outside of like, I don't know, maybe golf and hockey and stuff like that. But like, this is all fun and games, and it's fun to talk about. And I'm sure he meant to be serious kind of and then everybody took it like oh yeah let's do this let's do yeah. this finally we could get this out there but yeah to just get us started on the offensive side i mean start with the qb i mean it, it's pretty i went with josh allen as the first one 
And then like your backups would be like Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like QB right there. Those are pretty even matched. Right. Right. Um, because you've got uh, on both sides uh, of the spectrum, you've got really good quarterbacks on both sides. Now it will be interesting to see like what you would say about, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. I was going like, to ask that. Them, Who like, gets those guys? I mean, I think I saw a tweet from someone today. Oh, I can't remember, but it was like, it was like Patrick Mahomes eats ketchup on everything. He's on the white side. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, that's such a great, great tweet, but a great point. Um, but we'll go to running back. Now this one, probably the best running back in the league, but there's only one. Christian McCaffrey, that's pretty easy. No doubter. No uh, doubter. <laughs> the thing is, is with that one, it stops there. It's Christian McCaffrey, and then you look around the league and maybe find fullbacks. Uh, right. And with that, you've got, like, your left keys, your uh, uh, shoes check, um, and then, uh, what is it, Picard? Picard. Yeah. yeah, Picard. or uh, Is it Picard or Ricard? Ricard. Richard, yeah, Richard, yeah. Um, and then we get in the wide receivers, and really that doesn't go very far either. But you've got three <laughs> good, good ones. I have Cup, Thielen, and Nakua. Um, but those are some some pretty good yeah. receivers and stuff like that. Then you know those three are all probably pretty close. Okay, you get into tight ends, and I think it changes a little bit. Okay, you got tight ends. You've got Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, and Hawkinson, and you could throw Ferguson in there. You could throw McBride in there if you wanted to, but you've got some pretty stud casting tight ends right there where I think the uh the lighter skin tone takes that yeah. takes that battle. And then you get into O line, where I think the lighter skin tone might have that battle as well. We got some I, dogs. We got some yeah, dogs there, you know. Right. On mine, I have Kelsey, uh, I have Martin, I have Nelson, I have Colton Miller, and I have Lane Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think we're taking the edge on that one. I think we're taking the edge on that one. Yeah, but that's kind of my my offensive side of the ball. Um, I'm thinking I'm thinking tight end and O line. We take that if Christian McCaffrey doesn't ever get hurt. I think we're taking that one. And yep. then, uh, but if he gets hurt, then we lose immediately. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then QB and wide receiver. I think I think wide receiver. I think we're beat, uh, but QB. I think that's pretty evenly matched. But what what do you have for the defensive side? Yeah, and I'll and I'll start by adding a little bit to the to the offense. You know, it's important to have Aaron Rodgers on our side because of, of his stance <laughs> politically, uh, medically, and I think he belongs. I think a lot of the white people would really you know uh, avenge that ideology for him having us on his side. He could not. He's just a locker room guy, you know. He's a presence you have in the locker room, and then you have the the cover of Madden, you know, as the face of your franchise and Josh Allen. But a hot take with the light skins, I don't think you should be able to pick a team if you're if you're not one hundred <laughs> if you're not one hundred percent on that side of the coin, then you don't deserve a roster spot. So you're just gonna have to sit this one out. Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, you know, Justin Fields, I don't know, but you know, Bryce Young, uh, can he say it? Probably, but <laughs> you know. Uh, it's uh, that's you know that's the roster right there, and I, I like having you know Chris McCaffrey on one side of the ball, obviously, and then our tight end room is insane, insane yeah. with Kelsey Hawkinson, uh, Laporta, Kittle, forgot Laporta. Ferguson, wow. like you get those five cats out there with probably Kelsey playing your third receiver in the slot. Hey, we we got a little scheme we got right there, but um, well, yeah. personnel. 
<laughs> and, I <laughs> and I ain't got the entire roster for the defense, but I know we got some dogs we can put up there at the at the edge spot. You know, of course, you can put TJ Watt in there on the edge. You can put his brother inside if you wanted to. JJ Watt can, probably would come out of retirement for this. Um, you know, you got you know your Trey Hendricksons, your Brian Breesies, your Kyle Phillips. I'm pretty sure is close. I think <laughs> I think he's I think he's white. Um, but Kyle Phillips would would be fun to have in there, and I'm probably miss Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson over there yeah. on the other side, and then at linebacker you got you know a lot of people call him Olive Oil, a lot of people call him you know the Italian Stallion, um, but Matt Milano, uh, Leighton Vander Esch pre injury would be you know a decent backup for depth. Uh, Luke Gifford, hell, you could put him in there as a practice squad guy. Um, let's see, I have Alex. Uh... Anzalone and Cole Holcomb. Cole uh, Holcomb, yeah. yeah. Luke Alex. Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Wilson would be a good one. Um, and then as a linebacker's coach, you get a guy like Brian Erlacher in there, somebody that's killed somebody before. Um, <laughs> at safety, I got Harrison Smith. That's about all we got. I'm bringing Jeff Heath back. Jeff Heath is back in the mix, playing strong safety, laying some wood. Well, you got you got uh, Blankenship as well. Blankenship, yeah, it's right. Read Blankenship. Out there at safety, we got three safeties that know how to lay the wood. They're disciplined, sneaky, athletic guys. Uh, and then at cornerback, we need more safeties because yeah. they're gonna have to play. They're gonna have to play corner. We're gonna play man down, zero coverage, and just go after it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's basically the defense side. So you got some dogs. You got some absolute dogs. You know, get some guys inside like Kyle Phillips. Um, yeah, I, I think we got a shot. Like it ain't gonna yeah. be. No ball buster ain't going to be like, hey, we're going to light up the scoreboard, time of possession, run the football. <laughs> Jason Garrett probably should be a good head coach oh, for this man. team. Yeah, our whole our whole, uh, our whole, whole stat line is going to read like high IQ. Uh, <laughs> sneaky high athletic. IQ, hard worker, sneaky athletic. No 4.0 GPA. <laughs> yeah, just like. Oh, uh, just like the very stereotypical, like white football player, like grayed out. <laughs> so if I, I'm looking at it now, when we get to the defensive side, like interior defensive line, we're losing 100. Um, yeah, linebackers maybe could can could be competitive. Okay, yeah. uh, safety no depth. Um, so if one of them goes down, it's really looking like some offensive players might have played two ways. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then DBs were beat. We're playing uh, cover three zone all day, uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then one where we take it seems easy. Kicker punter, I think we're winning. Yeah, hundred percent. We're winning there, hundred <laughs> percent. We are winning there, <laughs> and we don't even need Young Hoku. You know, like yeah. we've got our own. We got Brandon Aubrey kicker. We've got you know Brian Anger or Matt Areza at punter, um, uh, and then you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I want Eric Weddle to come out of retirement, too. There we go. He's probably got some <laughs> extra energy left. Um, but let's get into head coach. Head coach, GM, oh and player anthem, I think. I think head coach, there's a lot you could choose from. Over 80%. You know, yeah. you could choose. <laughs> <laughs> we got y'all there. Um, gosh, I mean, you got, you could have Andy Reid as the head coach. Um, you could have Bill Belichick as defensive coordinator. Um, offensive minded coach, you put Kyle Shanahan there, uh, passing game coordinator Ben Johnson. I mean, you just go down the list, get the ultimate exterior guys. 
Um, and I think we got the coaches on lock. Uh, I'd love to have the, uh, a DB coach out there that knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there probably is one out there somewhere. But, yeah. And then last but not least, and this is my hot take of the year, my GM for the all-white team is going to be Donald Trump. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's a good all-white team. Um, and you can hear the dog barking back here. Bark, bark, bark. Yeah, our team going to be barking too. Our team going to be barking too. All right. So that kind of wraps up, you know, Rashard Mendenhall's um, tweet. Uh, in in retrospect, like him having that tweet out there is just wild in itself. Because if you said this on the on the other way around, people would just lose their ever loving minds. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I flipped the tweet and said, you know, <laughs> like all these dudes talking about blah 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 should never talk because they can't do this, and yeah. said another race besides white, oh, I'd be canceled. And we'd probably Absolutely. be famous, but Absolutely. But like like we said at the beginning, it, it is fun because any locker room has had this debate or whatever. Yes. Like any locker room has been like and even like you could see like some people comment like like I said about the Patrick Mahomes thing. There's the same comment where it was like it's like nah. It like talk about Travis Kelsey be like, nah, Travis Kelsey's black. He's on he's on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Max Crosby. Max <laughs> yeah. Crosby. I, I didn't oh, yeah, his yeah. name. <laughs> they were like, no, 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 we're keeping Max. And it's like, okay, here we go. Yeah, we, we got a couple a, white guys that would love to audition to be on the other side for sure. Yeah, and it's it's definitely fun to talk about and every like I said, every locker room has had this <laughs> this discussion before. So it was right. it was funny. It was a crazy ass tweet, but it was funny. And it it is kind of funny to see like a lot of the media and then Twitter X, whatever you yeah. call it, like taking a lighthearted route with it instead of, you know, going what the normal route is where they take it and it becomes this, you know, a, a, a Jason Whitlock type of, a, <laughs> of route where it's just, got, <laughs> uh, just, uh, just un, ungodly serious when it was like, Hey brother, just, just semi. semi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we ain't, we ain't gotta go that far. Yeah. Man. Just calm down. Like it, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. All that for 500 <laughs> likes. I mean, cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Two minute drill presented to you by the medical guy. We got some medical injury analysis updates, and this is very important. You're going into your semifinals. Some people are going into their championships with fantasy football. Um, obviously we got some, you know, it's big implementations for the league itself with the, some teams that really need to win in terms of seating, in terms of divisional wins. Um, so we got the medical guy with the two minute drill. Yeah. So let's get it started. So, uh, we got Ron Stanley, uh, concussion for the Baltimore Ravens offensive lineman. Um, not really a big fantasy thing, but they run the ball a lot. So it's something to pay attention to. Um, Jamar chase has an AC injury. I think I just got an update just a second ago on my phone about that. Yeah. He's really questionable. Um, so keep an eye on that. I know that's a big one for, for a lot of teams and, you know, with them kind of making a playoff push here a little bit, you know, they're really, really out there slinging the rock. Um, Zach Martin with quad injury that came back. Good news um, that it ended up ju just being, you know, needed the quad just tightened up and on and whatnot. Um, next, Christian Watson, who seems like he's been on the injury report all year with a hamstring injury. Uh, it seems like it might be a little worse than expected. So he's questionable. Uh, C.J. Stroud was out this weekend with a concussion, still going through that protocol, even though they managed to pull off a win, which was nuts. Um, expect him to be back 
Uh, hopefully, it would be good to see him come back and, and perform well because you hate to see injuries like that, especially for any player, but a rookie having as good a season and for such a surprise team like them. Uh, same type of thing with Nico Collins. His is a lower body injury. He's still questionable the last few weeks. He's kind of been in and out of there. Um, another big one, Michael Pittman Jr., receiver for the Colts. He yeah. uh, suffered a concussion on that nasty hit. Um, we saw this last week. Uh, it was really good to just see him like get up and move because uh, that was that was a pretty tough hit he took. And I think the defensive back actually got suspended or something like that. Like it 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 was pretty bad. Um, yeah, the rest of the season. Yeah, that's crazy. And so uh, Zach Moss is another one had a shoulder injury. What was crazy is that he he got injured, and then the rest of the Colts running backs seemed like they all could run the ball. So um, that was a pretty crazy injury. So see him. On the uh, injury list this week, he's questionable. Uh, another big one, Tyreek Hill. He was held out this week. I know that kind of screwed a lot of fantasy owners. Um, I think you in particular. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm sure they probably held him out a week, let him get ready, let him get right for this Dallas game. That's what I would have done if I would have been the, the athletic trainer or the head coach. Um, but expecting to be back in and, and run around all over the place uh, this weekend against Dallas. Uh, and then last, I had well, second to last, I had Chris Olave. Uh, he had an ankle injury. He was out this last week, but I think he was out this last week due to a concussion, maybe, um, because he was pretty banged up going into that game with other injuries and just throw it on top an ankle injury as well. Uh, and then last one, uh, Keaton Mitchell, the running back for the uh, Ravens, uh, yeah. suffered an ACL tear, uh, and they uh, came out and said he may have suffered more, but for sure, full ACL tear. That's going to be the uh, video analysis we're going to go over. Um, so we're going to get this. We're going to present the screen. Okay, screen. And this one's a little more gruesome. So if you have a, if you have a uh, sensitive stomach, don't watch. So we've got the Ravens against the uh, Jaguars. Okay. And we've got Keaton Mitchell, number thirty-four. And if you watch here, and whoop. That leg just goes super straight right there into hyperextension. And then um, we'll take it back a little bit to show. All right. So I'm going to take it right here. Okay. I'm going to pause it real quick and then slow speed down. All right. So we can get a good look at it. So we have number 34 right there coming around. Uh, and what's crazy is it's like a contact, non-contact. But if you look at that left leg, whoop, turns oh, into a wet, no. turns into a wet noodle. Um, and so you see that, and obviously you you kind of expect the worst right there. Um, thankfully, it's just come out with an ACL so far. I'm sure there will probably be meniscus. I'm sure maybe a little PCL stuff like that. Um, but luckily, it didn't fully. Uh, didn't fully dislocate or anything. That's similar to the uh, – golly, I'm forgetting his name. Maybe he's a Miami running back. Uh, um, Miami. Uh, shoot. I it wasn't Jeff remember. Wilson, was it? No, no, no. Not University of Miami like the U back in the day. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Because he, he ended up coming back from the injury and playing in the NFL. But it's similar Ricky to Ricky Williams? No, it wasn't Ricky Texas. Williams. He played <laughs> oh, Texas. Uh <laughs> Frank oh Gore. man, I cannot remember. It was it was kind of during the time of Frank Gore. I can't remember who it was now. I saw it earlier, and I have I, I'm thinking of the name right now. But um, 
but a similar injury. And the big thing with stuff like that, like you obviously have your ACL tears, but stuff like that where it goes into an extreme range of motion, you you really want to pay attention to some of those vascular structures and stuff like that. Um, but you know, thoughts and prayers for full recovery, um, and and hopefully he gets back to that same status that he was before, because really he was a he was a great uh, he was a great running back this year. You know, he didn't get the carries. Willis McGahey. There you go. You put it in the chat right there. Good job. Yeah. There you um, go. But similar to that, where it just went, you know, straightened out all the way, and that ligament just gave out. So that kind of wraps up my my injury list and video analysis. Next, we'll get on to the people's the trackers' favorite topic, <laughs> the DB list. And so I have a couple of candidates. Um, first, and this doesn't go in any particular order, but first I have written down my track fantasy team this week. Um, just an absolute shit show of a showing. Um, you know, guy I'm playing forgot to start one of his – or started someone who wasn't playing. His Keenan starting Allen. quarterback got hurt, and it's just like I got it wrapped up in the bag and then had no production from multiple players. Dak Prescott gave me a dud. Yeah. Um, Brees Hall gave me a dud. You know, it was, just, it was just a tough day, tough day. I think I put up 80 points. Um, and after the whole controversy with how I got in – uh, it was just, it just sucked <laughs> to see it just sucked to see that it, it come to an end like that. So I guess we'll battle for third place. See if I can win some money back. Something. Yeah. Um, knowing this week I'll probably put up about 170. Right. And yeah. and it'll just make me more mad. So um, I want to give a quick shout out real quick, and yeah, that's to Blades in the consolation bracket. The dude put up 200 Ooh, points in that. the consolation bracket at five and at uh what is he? He's three and four and ten. Four and yeah, ten in the was, consolation bracket. Bro. He was last, right? Last like he place. He finished last and then just shredded somebody. Oh, I bet he was livid. I know he has Josh Allen. I know he has uh, Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, to explain dude. what happened in the very, very – in the really tight nutshell is we have a penalty. If you don't fill your roster, it's minus five points deducted. There's a – a lot of people were seven, seven, eight, and six. This one guy playing the, – the medical guy was in this game – Winning by four points, forgot to put in a defense and Aaron Jones. And, of course, you know, if some people aren't, aren't you know, uh, accustomed to the rules, he's like, I, I had no idea. Well, I have a document in our chat of yeah. the rule. So he gets subtracted five points. Cuzzo gets in. He moves down to the sixth spot, the final playoff spot. You know, we're giving Cuzzo a shot. We were giving yeah. the medical guy a shot. And- yeah. Everybody's team basically gutted in that first round. So, oh, dude, everybody, everybody, and I, God, it's just tough. So that was my first candidate. Um, <clears throat> that was my that was my first candidate for DB list. Second, okay, and this is kind of a lot a lighthearted take on it, but uh, Ravens running backs in the past like yeah. four years, I feel like all of them have gotten hurt. Every single one. That's a brutal one. Uh, and it seems like like every year they have. I mean, even this year, they've had two have just crazy injuries. And every year, it just seems like one of them gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll go with this is my top one. And it was actually recommended to me by uh, the analyst. And I think maybe uh, it might have been you or the Rook. But um, over the weekend, <laughs> we saw a story come out that uh, Joe Biden, our president of the United States, was in a car accident. And uh, <laughs> the the guy on the on the DB list is actually the driver. Um, James Cooper read an article that uh, he was obviously driving home under the influence, which nobody should ever do. But if there was a time to, you know, 
just have such a, a, a just an awful experience um, <laughs> with doing this. You probably picked the worst person to do it to. Um, and thankfully, nobody was hurt. And, and that's what we could we can talk about. But man, to to get drunk and then get behind the wheel of a vehicle, which you should never do, but to do it and then hit the president of the United States car. I mean, that's that's the eternal DB list, man. Like, that's so tough. Could you imagine, <laughs> like, talking to his insurance or anybody's insurance and being like, hey, so tell us what happened. Hey. It's like, yeah, so I, I got in a wreck and um, hit, you know, the I hit Joe uh, Biden. And they're like, what? Joe, like, the Joe, Joe Biden? Biden? And like, uh, yeah, the president of the United States. I can imagine he just heard like dial tone, like immediate, like hang up, like whoop, you're done. So <laughs> that wraps up my DB list. We've got my track fantasy team, Ravens running backs, and then James Cooper, the individual who drunk drive drunkenly um, hit right the, into the United president. States. Yeah. yeah. So that wraps up my part of the two minute drill. Yeah. And to uh, add context to that, the reason I sent it is, um, a guy on Twitter, Alex Sears, he said, imagine climbing into your car, absolutely blasted and trying to make it home without getting busted. And you left turn straight to the freaking president. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, so bad. <laughs> oh, gosh, that is that is DB list to the max. OK, yeah. well, let's move on into our week 15 recap. Um, you can check the banners at the bottom for a little for a couple highlights um, to kind of give you a a preview of what all we're going to cover, but we're going to start out with our Thursday night football game. And this was the Raiders versus the chargers. Um, of course the Raiders, man, if you were watching this and you happen to miss this, uh, it was 49 to nothing at halftime. Raiders ended up winning this game 63 to 21. Um, but there were some finite details or minute details in this game, but medical guy, uh, you got this one. I'll let you recap and I'll, I'll get my two cents in. Um, yeah. So, I mean, nobody looked forward to this game anyway, but I was kind of glad I, I started watching a little bit of it because it was like, I mean, it's just brutal. Like Thursday night football game, Chargers, who are a, a team that aren't doing very well, Raiders, who are a team that aren't doing very well as, uh, also. And so they, the Raiders win 63-21. to 21. What the hell? And that's what I have written down in my first stat. was like a what the hell game. Yeah. It's like you turned it on and it's like, you know, Raiders score immediately. And I was like, oh, okay, let's go, let's go. I have Devontae Adams on one of my teams. So I was like, oh, this is oh, humming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go. But yeah. at first it was like, hey, we're going to throw it to everybody except Devontae Adams. I right. think, I think like Myers scored, like their fourth receiver on the depth chart scored. Uh, Michael Mayer scored. I was like, Jacoby Myers threw a touchdown who fortunately <laughs> got caught by Devontae Adams. I was like, bro, we're going to go through this game and they're going to score 60 points and Devontae Adams is going to have eight. And I'm gonna be right. so pissed. Yeah. So that's what that's what I have on that first part. Second, I think this was a nail in the coffin game, of course, for the Chargers uh, yeah. and the the staff there. I think we talked about it offline uh, and in in chats and text groups. Like you know, I, I think I said the whole staff should be fired at half. I know that might be a little egregious, but like that was just so bad. Yeah. So bad, and they yep. they couldn't do anything right. And then you know. It's kind of a play on words, but Aiden O'Connell, I call him AOC, uh, played <laughs> played the game with very non-conservative play, was slinging the rock all over the place. Seemed like he couldn't do anything wrong, really. Um, and he was spreading the ball around, 
throwing touchdowns, making plays. I mean, this was one of those where this looks like a Madden score. Like you play your, yeah. you know, you, you visit for the weekend and your little cousins are like, Hey, you want to play some Madden? Like, yada, yada. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And then like, you know, it's one of those like where your cousin scores first and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, you're like, yeah, you gotta so, lean yeah. up in your chair and be yeah, like, oh, then, yeah, like the, yeah, it's like, all right, well, we're about to end this nonsense. And so, um, it was just crazy to see that the the Chargers looked awful. They looked like a team that that almost gave up. Um, I know there were some good things that happened. I think the quarterback actually ended up having a decent stat line. Um, Josh Josh Palmer had a pretty good game um, and stuff like that. But overall, it was just a terrible game. And then we get into it. the The coach gets fired the next day, which was honestly about six weeks too late. Um, yeah. And I know we we haven't mentioned on here talking about some top candidates. I started looking at some. Um, and I think, you know, Brandon Staley was mentioned as more of a defensive coach coming in. And I think a lot of a lot of places outside of a couple are moving into hiring like uh, offensive minded guys as a head coach. So some of the top ones I have are Ben Johnson, obviously Detroit. I think his name has been thrown out there a lot. Um, this one's kind of a joke, but Kellen Moore, LOL. But, you know, he's always been talking about the coaching, waiting and stuff like that. But you saw that offense just take an absolute nosedive this year with yeah. all the weapons. I know they had injuries and stuff, but like even with the injuries, like, you know, Justin Herbert's held to such high regard. Austin Eckler is supposedly a top five running back. You've got an okay-ish O-line, but I mean, you still had Mike Williams who played for a little bit. Josh Palmer who played for a little bit. Guyton. You, you know, you had these guys that could play and it, they couldn't, they were so stagnant all the time on offense and, you know, it's kind of like we said, like, you know, when things aren't going exactly right for Kellen Moore, it's awful. It's not like a good game and an okay game. It's good and yeah. then shit. Um, another one, which would be interesting, Jim Harbaugh, you know, from Michigan. You know, his name has been mentioned for years now, but with some of the weird stuff that's going on at Michigan, you could see him probably trying to get out. And then last one, if they were going to go with the defensive-minded head coach, uh, they have Jim Swartz over there at uh, Cleveland, the D.C., uh, yep. Their defense with injuries, with all this, has been good all year. Um, he's kind of changed his scheme up a little bit, been way more aggressive. And I think that would probably be a pretty good fit for, you know, the Chargers having such uh, high-level positions and players on that defense. Right. You know, kind of get into that aggressive mindset, really, really get into it. And so if they were going to go maybe a defensive route, that would be the other person I would pick. That's kind of the top four I had. Um, I think it would be a mistake to have Kellen Moore, but – I know he's always been considered, you know, the coach in waiting, like I said. But yeah. um, do you have anything to add on this game or the the coaching candidates? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was crazy. There's a couple of uh, – I'm beginning some Philadelphia Eagles accounts seep into my Twitter feed, and they're asking to fire, you know, a guy like Nick Sirianni and get Kellen Moore, um, which I think is just full circle for sure. I think that's hilarious. And I, I, you know, we used Kellen Moore as a scapegoat last year, um, you know, to define Dak Prescott's season a little bit. And I think it's kind of coming to fruition here. Um, also full circle. And that might have been a reason why some people argue Dak Prescott was so hot and cold last year. So, yeah, that's kind of why we joke about like Kellen Moore being that candidate for the Chargers. Um, but, you know, another guy that could be a sleeper is Sean McDermott. You know, he might be out yeah. there from the Buffalo Bills and he's kind of a defensive minded coach. He's. He's been um, he has experience with a star quarterback and he's had some success in terms of, you know, being relevant in the playoffs. You get a good supporting cast around him. Maybe this offense elevates, but the wide receivers, you know, 
Oh, but this is two years in a row where they have just struggled to stay healthy. You know, I know Keenan Allen just got hurt and he had a phenomenal season. Mike Williams, I mean, my God, you can get four games out of him and then, you know, heaven forbid, he gets another knee injury and he's out for the year. And then yeah. Quentin Johnson just hasn't yeah. seemed to get it all together. Um, but, you know, the Chargers got a lot to figure out. You know, they got the highest payroll on defense right now. You got a dude leading the NFL in sacks and in nothing to show for it. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just like brutal. It's you know, they always say that the Cowboys, the AFC, but, you know, with all the talent, uh, I can't really see the Cowboys screwing up this bad. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a roster on paper this good finish this bad with a record. Yeah. Um, and that's what I have to say primarily about the Chargers going into the Raiders. You know, there's at least some hope in there. You know, obviously, yeah. you're not going to go with any of those three quarterbacks that are on the roster. And but there's options out there. You know, you got Colin Kaepernick, RG3 now, but um, Aiden McConnell, AOC, he might be the ugliest quarterback on the planet. No offense, dude, but yeah. that dude, it, even the graphic that they make for him on Fox, man, and I'm like DB list for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, he's, but he's tough to look at. But hey, sometimes those dudes, you know, it's like the ugly dude that bags a 10, uh, like that bags a 10, like a blonde. And you're like, how, how the hell did he do that? And it's the same thing with AOC going out there throwing five bombs or, yeah. you know, four or five bombs. You're like, what? You know, this guy. Um, yeah. So shout out AOC there, you know, amazing game. But yeah, the <laughs> candidates you mentioned obviously are, are top tier. Um yeah, and then I, mean, I, I think I think I mean if Eric Bieniemy didn't stay, which I think it would be a good fit for him at the the Commanders, uh, if he didn't stay there, I think he'd be a great fit at, at Los Angeles. Absolutely, you know he, yeah. he's great OC mind. Uh, he's shown it this year with with the Commanders, who the defense is awful, but I mean their their offense can hum, and I think yeah. he could, I think he could be, I think he could be really well at, at the Chargers as well. Those are just kind of the top four. I mean, Kellen Moore is kind of a joke, but. Yeah, <laughs> but you never know. Some people might actually do that. Um, and then, of course, all the injuries, Justin Herbert out, uh, yeah. Keenan Allen out, you know, Mike Williams, you just go down the list. They had nothing to play for. I mean, it was – but I've never seen a team give up that bad. Um, yeah. All right. Um, Saturday, the 325 game, the Bengals versus the Vikings. I like this one. I like a little, you know, a story that nobody knows about until after the fact. Um, but if you didn't see it, it's kind of a video that Jake Browning on the sideline, kind of catching the noises of the sideline, said you should have never cut me uh, yeah. to the Vikings, which I thought was legendary. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hey, slow start for the Bengals in this game. But, you know, Browning comes through um, in what I just mentioned, a revenge game. Um, T. Higgins, that touchdown was incredible. It really That's set nuts. the tone to close out the game. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to start him. And a lot of leagues, you know, if you've had him this year, you've been really frustrated. But in terms of a guy who's, you know, really trying to help out his team, you know, with this last three games, you know, you mentioned Jamar Chase with the AC injury, could miss some time. T. Higgins, it's it's time for him to step up, you know, and, and maybe prove to people that he is that number one and possibly earn a, a mega contract next year with a, with a contender um, who needs a number one, like the Chiefs or yeah. um, maybe like a Ravens team or, you know, you just, you name it. He can, he can probably fit in somebody's offense. Um, the Colts could be an exciting spot for him, him and Pittman side by side with a young quarterback. You know, you never know. Um, so now it's his time to shine, but T Higgins, amazing play. If you didn't see it, you know, goes up for a 50, 50 ball and he stretches his alarm at arm span into the, into the end zone. It was sick. Um, yeah. But, you know, moving on, you know, Ty, Ty Chandler for the Vikings. Um, this is, he more production in this game than we ever saw from Madison all year. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is some, you know, three, four year 
um, running back out of the practice squad coming in there and with nothing, um, uh, what do you call it? Nothing held back. And yeah. so fantastic game. He saw a couple of fantasy owners start him this week in some of my playoff leagues, um, 12 man <laughs> leagues. And I'm like, okay, that's like, he knows ball, <laughs> but yeah. you know, they got lucky with him starting him. And, and here's my thing about, I'm excited for the Viking and for the Vikings in the future. I'm not sure if Kirk cousins will stay. Um, I know Jetta and Kirk cousins want to be a package deal going forward. Um, but Jordan Addison and Jetta, if they stay together, that, that's a top seven, yeah. top five duo in the league for the next four or five years. I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to be elite. I mean, Nick Mullins going out there and this isn't the first time that he's gone out there and just kind of chunked it around as a backup um, for a lot of passengers did the same thing years ago for the 49ers. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is, you know, Jake Browning is three and one since Burrow injury. Um, and he could potentially take the Bengals to a nine and six record with some tough opponents to finish out the year. Um, you know, are we thinking playoffs with the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, with Jake Browning, this is, you know, and does this speak volumes about like the importance of weapons and the terrible situation and, you know, the Chargers with Justin Herbert? Like I'm sitting there thinking like when Burrow's in, he's got these weapons, he's putting up all these elite numbers. All right. Well, what kind of a drop off did we see when Browning came in? Well, he's throwing two tutties a game over 200, you know, 200 plus yards every game um, in around the 60 percent completion percentage. He's winning games. Um, and this is what happens when you're supplied weapons and. You know, it's it's kind of to say, like, it's not saying Joe Burrow isn't as good as people think he is, but it is saying that it does make a difference. Yeah. And that's why you have to apply these double standards um, to, you know, to quote the kid. Um, you got to apply these double standards to these other teams that may not have the same luxury as having a T. Higgins and a Jamar Chase and a Tyler Boyd and a Joe Mixon. Um, so, you know, Browning, this was a perfect opportunity for him to kind of set the tone for himself um, and maybe earn a contract somewhere else and start somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you know, and then on the flip side of the coin, you got Herbert, um, nothing. I mean, just yeah. injuries all over the place. He's got all these weapons. He doesn't have a great, um, his, you know, I don't know. This, the brand over there just seems to fail him. Um, yeah. and, and I think that Herbert is, should be earned a lot more respect in terms of, uh, you know, his career path. I mean, four different head coaches, I think in his four years, it's just an yeah. atrocity. So. Well, and it's the same thing you say about, you know, somebody has talked about is like Lamar Jackson. Like, I mean, in the last two years, his top weapon has gone out and right. they have running backs get hurt. It seems like every couple weeks and like their best weapon right now is Odo Beckham Jr. And Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so, Are you, you know, like, yeah. So like you, you hold, I mean, Isaiah likely has done well, but I mean, he's not a Mark Andrews. And so it's just the same difference is like, what would they what would they be i mean when he had hollywood brown like you could see like oh that weapon made a difference like like you said with t higgins like that would be nuts to just have like one bona fide top end receiver out there with right. andrews and and obj and bateman and stuff like that like it, it it would be it would be interesting to see yeah yeah exactly and People, you know, Lamar's in the MVP race as well. So, yeah. you know, with the weapons that he had, like the quote-unquote weapons he has this year, uh, <laughs> once again. So, uh, all right, moving on. Um, Lions versus Broncos. Yeah, so we'll get into this. Lions win 42, Broncos 17. Um, notes I have on this, this game started off like a like an absolute bar burner. So it started off pretty slow. I think it was uh, four straight or three straight 
three straight possessions each team was punts. And I was like, oh, God, this is not looking good for the for the Lions because that's the brand of football the Broncos want to play. It's like basically you lull everybody to sleep, and then all of a sudden you get to the fourth quarter and it's 14 to 17 and Russell Wilson has the ball or something like that. So, but after a while, the Detroit Lions started getting everything going. They've got an – like you talk about a slew of weapons, they've got it. They've got Amon Ross A. Brown. They've got this was a Sam Laporta game, obviously, a Jared yeah. Goff game. They've got two high-end running backs. They've got a crazy good O-line. Um, and you know, this game, the defense finally showed up a little bit. Um, and it, it shows what what this team could be if the defense plays okay on the other side. That's the thing. I don't think they need just some top 10 or top five elite defense. They just need, you know, 12 to 15 range. And I think they could be a really good team. Um but some of my notes going in, I have the I think the Broncos are frauds. I think they've kind of teetered on like, oh, are they good or are they not? It's just like this is such a bad game. Like it's yeah. a bad defense. And so um that was tough to see. And then I have obviously the Jared Goff offensive game. It seemed like after a after a couple of uh possessions, it seemed like they just uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but uh, that's how, that's the kid sneezing. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, bless you, brother. <laughs> yeah, bless you, Hunter. Um, but I mean, they they seem like once they got it going, that that they they couldn't do anything wrong on defense or on offense. Um, and then my last note was the Detroit Lions played a better game on defense. Um, and that's good. That's going to be something they absolutely need to be an actual contender in 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 the NFC at least. Uh, and then getting into, uh, I think what we talked about, the offense, the offsides call against the Broncos. Yeah. Yes, it sucked, but the game was starting to get out of reach anyway. Um, right. And then if we just go into, like, Sean Payton getting in Russell Wilson's ass on the sideline, <laughs> you know, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because, like, yeah, you kind of – I kind of like, you know, seeing a head coach like, hey, he might be our quarterback, but, like, he's not above everybody. Like, he still right. can get ripped into – but at the same time, like, I feel like you, you got to get your point across and then, like, let it go. Like, it doesn't – they don't need to have time to have the camera on them for a 45-second ass-chewing. And yeah. Russell Wilson's just, like, little kid, like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, like, like yeah, dude, yeah. get your piece across, rip his ass for 10 seconds and be like, let's go. Let's move on. But that was kind of my only points about it is, like, good seeing him rip into his ass. Maybe don't do it for a minute to where, you know, everybody can see it. Um, yeah, so that, that's just kind of my take on it. Uh, what, what do you have on this game or anything like that? Yeah. So, uh, you were, we were talking about them being frauds and stuff and it actually goes right in hand, hand in hand of what I had, because I was kind of seeping through the box score. Cause I was looking at some, you know, some defenses comparing, you know, stats or whatever. And I was peeping at the Broncos, boy, every top 10 offense that they played. Um, and I could, I, I'm 90% sure I'm right. I'm just using, going off memory here. Do they? They got smoked. Yeah. Every every like plausible offense that competent offense that was out there, they got smoked. And then all these other teams, they, there's not a whole lot of separation. Yeah. So it's kind of reminds me of your Giants last year, where yeah. when they played a relevant team, they're getting smoked. But if they're playing like we played the AFC South last year in the division, that's a that's that was the main reason why we had an influxation of you know, uh, records and why everybody thought the Giants were so good. And then we get into this year, I'm like, it ain't no catwalk this year. You know, ain't no cakewalk this year. And that's why I had the Giants finishing under 500 and, you know, the the 
commanders finishing way below 500. And people thought I was crazy when I said it in group chats and look, here we are now, but you know, uh, looking at the Broncos. Yeah. It's like that. I mean, they probably won't make the playoffs. They could insert their way in, but you know, the, the AFC South is all tied at eight and six and Texans have the tiebreaker on the Broncos, I believe. And, um, I just don't see a way that they get in, but they're very game management like, and it depends on their opponent. Yeah. Because if it if, if it's a competent offense, you know they're not winning that game. Um, yeah. Whatsoever. And like I mentioned, uh, I think it was a couple pods ago. Like they play just good enough to beat teams. Like they don't blow anybody out. They don't like you look at them and you're like, man, they're not really like dominant in these wins or like yeah or like dominant throughout the game or like going shot for shot with somebody. It's just like. Oh, they hang around and then they sneak one out. And that's just, they played, like you said, a good team, a much better team, high caliber team. And they just got, they got blown out of the water. Right. Exactly. All right. And we'll split between this and the, the rest of the games. We'll go into our track ranking. Um, Your top three, you know, this is your top three best things about Christmas, essentially, you know, your, your Christmas features, this could be anything from food to traditions, to drinks, to games, you know, the whole shebang, um, you know, the same thing as our last three weeks, we're starting at gold and, you know, transitioning between the two, two of our picks and move all the way to diamond and possibly a vibranium. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. All right. What is your, uh, what's your gold on this track ranking? So getting us started, my gold, and this is going to, I might have to explain it a little bit, but Christmas cold weather. Okay? okay. And what I mean by that is like when it starts getting cold in East Texas and Texas and in general, especially East Texas, Southeast Texas, kind of where you're at, like it kind of sucks, right? Like right. It, it's just, it hurts. Like you, you put on layers and it's like your hands hurt, your feet hurt. But like when it gets closer to Christmas, you're like, that's the weather you want. And right. you're like, oh yeah. Like we don't really get snow or especially you. Um, yeah. I know in a couple yeah. places I've lived, it's, it's, we've got snow and stuff like that. And it just, it feels right. You know, when it when it's 30 to 40 degrees or maybe colder, like on December 20th through the 30th, like it's like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is how it's supposed to be. Like good, cold Christmas weather. If it was 75 or 80, like you can be in Texas sometimes. It's like, bro, I don't want to be December 25th and like sitting outside in T-shirts and shorts. Like that kind of sucks. And so this is where I think cold weather in Texas kind of gets a pass. and, And I I like it. Because it's get, it gives more of that, you know, holiday Hallmark feel when the weather is actually cold during Christmas time. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the past six days where I've been at has been like 40 degrees in the morning, yeah. 60 degrees during the day, and back to 50. And that's that's winter. That's that's winter yeah. for us. And it's it gets a good feeling, it makes the lights kind of sparkle a little little lighter. Um, mine is kind of a hot take because I, I think a lot of people forget about it, and it's mistletoe. You know, okay. hey, when when you were when you were in grade school, when you were going to school and everything, you'd want your crush to have you want to bring a mistletoe and your crush would be around. You're like, man, I wish I would catch my crush under the mistletoe, <laughs> you know, and you know, I let her know what happens, you know. Hell and yeah. uh, you know, middle school all the way to high school, high school, you're like, hey, you know, should I, you know, and now you just people use liquor, you know, as like a <laughs> as like a covenant for it, and you're like, oh bro, old fashioned, put a mistletoe, you know, put on your hat put the hat on her or something like that and be like, Hey, look, Mr. Toe, you know, the rules, Hey, you know, the rules, I don't make them up and, and just go, but it's, it's romantic. It's romantic. <laughs> it's loving. It's pleasurable. It's respectful. Um, it, 
with consent and you know, hey, <laughs> mistletoe <laughs> in there, go, snake bro. that in there, right there, yeah, yeah. perfect. <laughs> I like it. I like DC it. principal over here, right here. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have a consent to kiss your right. mistletoe? All right, All right. we'll move it. <laughs> we'll move it to my platinum. My platinum ranking. And this might be might be a hot take. Um, I I know um, you may not be experiencing it yet, but once you do have you know a significant other and have to go to all these Christmases, yeah, not I like yet. I like to call it the family drive across Texas marathon. Okay, and we talk about you know not liking it and always being a pain and whatnot, and you start thinking further down the line, you're you're like. You know, it's one of those things you think back to and you're like, damn, I wish I could go to these eight Christmases that I have to go to. Or I wish, right. you know, I could go to these seven Christmases that I have to. But now I'm only going to four. And, you know, of the obvious circumstances, why that happens. And it's just something that I think we complain about now. But when we're older, we're going to be like, damn, I wish I, I wish we could do that again and whatnot. Because it right. right now it does kind of suck because we got two dogs that are big. Yeah. Obviously, me and Heather. We want to take her car because, you know, gas mileage and everything like that. And then presents and, and everything we have to pack. And we're like, we have enough room to basically sit right here and like turn left and right. And yeah. that's it. And then it's like, you know, we go to Dallas, to Lufkin, to Lufkin, to Dallas, back to Tyler, to Lufkin, back to Dallas, possibly San Antonio every now and then. And it's like, God, yeah. So I think when I, and, and, and my sister gets married December 30th. So like yeah, literally yeah. from, I think the 21st to the 30th, like Heather and I have an event that we have to be at, whether it be a Christmas or a wedding, uh, a wedding ordeal or, or something. We have something for literally almost 10 days. And it's something that we can play about now, but I know later in life we're going to be like, damn, I wish we could do that again. Or I wish we were doing that this year. Something yeah. like that. So that's my platinum, you know, driving across, making the extra trip, making the extra effort to be there for whoever you need to be there during the Christmas time and the holiday time. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a blessing that in high, you're like, you wish you were in the good times. Yeah. Uh, you wish you knew you were in the good times and you were actually in them. And then, you know, coming to the reality that we, that we are, we are. Yeah. yeah <laughs> absolutely. Good so, all right. Platinum. Mine is my platinum is silent night at church. I think, nice. I think this one's legendary. You know, it also depends on the setting. Some people might be in bigger churches. I like those medium sized churches where you kind of know some people in the crowd. When I was growing up at the, at the church that I was at, you kind of knew where each family was sitting. And yeah. so you had like this bondage between everybody that was in there. You knew their faith, you knew your own faith. And then, you know, you just kind of reflect on the year you had and, you know, all the things that were a blessing, all the things that were a challenge, all the lessons learned. And you just, sit there and reflect and you hear the harmony of like human beings hitting that God hurts and, you yeah. know, that, that, that God signal. And um, you know, with the candles everywhere, just the setting, everything, but just that moment of reflection too, is just special. You know, yeah. it gives you, it gives you goosebumps, kind of may, maybe shed a thug tear and you're like, Damn, thug tear. like I, I have like years ago, like, man, I can't believe I did this. I got a job. I started a podcast. You know, I got through this, man, like silent nights hit different for sure. Yeah. And to touch, touch on yours, I almost put it on here is like, you know, the, the, the Christmas program at any church. Right. And it's like, I know we're all, you know, Baptist, Southern Baptist and like, you know, they always do a Christmas program. And, but during the Christmas program, they recruit 
the top-notch singers, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, they bring yeah, out the big ones. Yeah. yeah, you know, they're bringing out the people that can hit those God notes, right? Oh, and so, hallelujah. Yeah, and so it is always nice going back to your family church, or we always go to Dimmon Avenue, I believe, and, you know, they, they bring out, you know, hey, you know, John, you're you're singing this. Yeah. And they're like, he's Larry. Like, oh, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not like, you know, me and you aren't up there singing. It's like the the ones you're like, man, why didn't you why didn't you sing professionally <laughs> kind yeah. of thing? And so I think to add on to, your, to the Lord. That's yeah. Why. And to, to add on to your point, it is always nice going going into all the Christmas programs and stuff like that and, and just seeing everybody and hearing hearing people sing. And it's sounding good as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 100 so, percent. Yeah. But to get into my diamond and we might have the same one and mine's kind of a broad, I guess, uh, diamond ranking, but Christmas traditions. Um, I know you've mentioned some in the past couple podcasts, especially with the Muppets and stuff like that. <laughs> I almost put them in it again. And it's funny. It's funny that we joke about that, but it's, it's super cool that, you know, everybody just kind of has their own thing that they do. I know for us, we always go to uh, what we call our Aunt Tootie. Um, it's where it's the whole Clark family meets up at their house. If you go, um, like you're going to Nana and Gramps's, okay, on Highway 94, there's always a house on the left. Once you get next to that that cutoff right there, it turned down to go in there, and it's all lit up. It's a few acres. It's got, I mean, thousands of dollars of lights. That's the house we always go to, um, and it's always fun. You know, we eat. Everybody brings a potluck thing, you know, and we we get in there and. You know, Santa comes and whatnot. And, you know, all the like all the kids obviously get some. But then you also play the joke on like your parents or your grandparents and get them some some, you know, probably inappropriate gift. And they're on Santa's lap and everybody's getting a picture of them opening yeah. something from like Victoria's Secrets or something like that. And they're just like, oh, my God. And so <laughs> just some of those those family or or friend Christmas traditions have to be like the diamond ranking. I'm sure everybody has them. Um, and, and it's just cool to see, and it's cool to learn about everybody else's Christmas traditions. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Mine, mine's similar. It's not the same, but it's similar, but I, I came up with baseball. My diamond ranking is the 4G network. Okay. And what I mean by the 4G network is the four G's it's grandparents, gifts, games, and God. Those yep. four things I think are amazing about Christmas. The grandparents are amazing. They, they design all these games and they give you all these <laughs> gifts they're always giving. They're yeah. always, you know, usually uprooted in faith with God. And it's all just intertwined into one household that's 78 degrees, you know, and, <laughs> and I feel like lucky. it's, yeah, if, if we're, we're lucky, lucky, we get 78 degrees with, without a fire, you know, at our backs, <laughs> melting our Christmas presents. But, yeah. you know, the grandparents come in there, they, they cook nice, they're always positive, And then they, they're, they're bearing gifts. They design all these games, you know, and that goes hand in hand with our traditions that we had. You know, the game we got the games coming up, uh, which we take very seriously. Yes. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah, especially the one with the uh, the oven mitt and the yeah and the one president getting that hoe open. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so the four G network um, is is my diamond ranking for sure. Nice. Yeah, all I right. like that one. Okay. We'll move on into the Rooks looks, and then we'll get straight into the tracking with the boys. Oh, I'm sorry. No, nope, yeah, sorry. We got the say, rest of the NFL recap. Um, we got the the Buccaneers versus the Packers. I'm always getting ahead of myself, but yeah, this is the Sunday 12 o'clock game. The Buccaneers versus the Packers. Buccaneers win this game 34 to 20. 
Baker Mayfield had himself a day. Yes, he did. Um, 381 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. You know, just an incredible outing. Uh, he's really making this his team. 25 touchdowns total on the year compared to eight interceptions on a one-year prove-it deal. So I, I got a lot, nothing but good things to say about Baker Mayfield this year. He's giving him a fighting chance to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we're watching their training camp videos. We're watching, <laughs> we're watching Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, Mayfield compete basically to make a completion to the tight end. Yeah. And now we're sitting here going, damn, Baker Mayfield could be comeback player of the year. Um, yeah. You can make that argument. And uh, just shout out to them. He's working well with the veterans. He's utilized Mike, Mike Evans in a great way. You know, he's utilized his checkdowns with Rashad White, who's become a, uh, a superior back, especially in fantasy terms. Um, really coming into his role as a young running back one, taking filling the shoes of Burnett, filling the shoes of, you know, Brady. You know, they compared Brady's year last year to Baker's today. I thought that was a little skewed. I mean, Brady's 45 yeah. years old. But um, and on the flip side of the coin, you got the Packers. They've just been bang- – I just feel like they've been banged up all year. Uh, yeah. You know, they, Christian Watson's you know been a lot like T. Higgins this year, really hasn't had a lot of games under his belt. A hamstring issue will toy with you all year long, and it's been the same thing uh, with Aaron Jones. You know, just yeah. every week, questionable, practicing, practicing in a limited capacity. Oh, we need you this week. All right, 60% snap share, not really going 100%. You know, giving it is all for his team. But, you know, there hasn't been a lot of games where Jordan Love has gone out there with every weapon under his belt. Yeah. Um, but when he has, he's done well. And I don't want to take anything away from Jordan Love. I think he's exceeded expectations this year. Oh, yeah. And if you're really being objective about it, I know people had high hopes, but um, I think the Packers will be fine next year. They, you know, they're only going to get older in terms of, uh, you know, rookies and younger players. And the one cat that I really enjoy watching is Jalen Reed. Yeah. Um, and I really regret he was on the waivers in my league. I wanted to start him. Um, it wouldn't have mattered, but you know, he had a, <laughs> a fantastic production and I should have trusted my gut, but he's had three, three great weeks in a row. He's really coming to his own. He's a hybrid player too. He can take it um, on the ground. Um, he can catch it to the air and he's a red zone. target. <laughs> oh my gosh. Pause. And uh, so, yeah, shout out to the Packers, man. And um you know, y'all, y'all will be okay next year. Y'all, y'all are a young team. You got some growing pains, but um, the Buccaneers, I think, will seep into that leading spot in the AFC South, depending on this. When we'll get into the predictions on Friday with the analysts, but the Rams Saints game is a big one in terms of playoffs. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's all it, I got for that. Game. It just seems like nobody like truly wants to win that division to me. It's just like, <laughs> my God. And the thing is, they're going to get like a, a, a three seed or whatever it is, or like a top seed. Um, but yeah, to touch on that game a little bit, obviously Baker was, was insane. And then the package defense just hasn't been good. Now they've also dealt with injuries, like you said, but I mean, the, the defense is just bad, just bad. I mean, Baker Mayfield could honestly do just about anything that game throwing the ball wise. And he did like Godwin and Evans had unreal games. And so yeah. that was, that was just tough to see, but I agree with you on the, they'll be good in the future. Yeah. They'll be good in the future. But, yeah, but to get us into our Monday night football game, we got the Seahawks versus the Eagles, okay? Seahawks squeak out a win, 20-17. to 17. Um, Just a couple notes I have on this is the Seahawks, they just seem like a frisky team, man. Uh, yeah. They seem like 
you know, I mean, even with Dallas, I mean, a couple things go their way. Uh, you know, that's a loss for Dallas. Um, DK Metcalf is, is coming into his own. Um, and he, he, it finally looks like he's kind of taken over like, Hey, I'm going to be that dude at receiver. And it's like, you throw it to me, I'm going to catch it. Or yeah. you throw it to me, there's going to be a PI called. Like, it is just like, it, it just seems like he's finally kind of, and I know he's kind of always been that one A, B with Lockett over there and stuff like that. But it just seems like, especially probably the last four weeks, it's like, it's the DK Metcalf show over there. And, and then Lockett and Smith and Jigma are twos and threes. And so they, they just look like they can do, they can do a lot on that offense and, and he's kind of taken over. Um, and then just to touch on the Eagles a little bit, uh, cause I think the Seahawks defense will be fine. I think they're okay. Um, and they've got some pretty young secondary guys out there that can really play and ball hawk and whatnot. Um, I think their, their linebackers are not good. I know Bobby I Wagner was a big, he's been a liability, a big sign, but I mean, he, it, it looks tough and it looks tough out there for him. And, and he's, he's been exposed this year, but I think the rest of the defense looks pretty good. Uh, if they step it up at linebacker a little bit. I think they'll be. I think they'll be good. Um, and then to touch on the Eagles, I mean this this game was just bad for them. It looked like almost. Yeah. I mean, it started off really good, but it, it's kind of been like what the analysts and a lot of us have kind of jumped on this train as well. Is like the Eagles almost like refused to just put a game away with running the ball. Um, if you look at all their drives where they had success, they were running the ball very well. And if you look at a lot of their drives where they didn't have success. They were trying to force the ball through the air. And it was just like that kind of takes away from like in the beginning of the season when they were hitting a lot of those deep shots and stuff like that is essentially they would bring everybody in because they're running the ball, gashing the ball. Well, it makes you feel the it fill the box. And then that's when you let your Devontae Smiths and your A.J. Brown get on one-on-one coverage. But right now, that's not their form. And yeah, yeah. so they've kind of lost that big playability um and, and just kind of that explosiveness right there and for a team that is absolutely built to run the ball and could honestly be putting games away in the third quarter if they just ran the ball more and consistently um it really is just kind of tough to see and then you know I like I like the quarterback for the Eagles Jalen Hurts I think he's a great guy I think he's a great player obviously he's playing hurt had a flu game yeah. you know he's kind of been dinged up all year um but he made two bad plays this game Two bad decisions, two yeah. bad plays. I mean, you you essentially need what twelve more yards, and you're in field goal range. You have two timeouts, so you know you've got big weapons you can use. Hell, you could even run the ball and call a timeout. Um, right. Yeah, but it was just it was tough to see him make those throws in that situation, and I don't think it's going to be something that's common with him, um, and it hasn't been. But this year's just not been the best year, and yeah. I think it, it really is, it reflects badly on him just because they're not running the ball as much. And running the ball with him, yes, that's great. But, like, you've got some studs at running back. And so I just think they, they need to do a better job at that. I don't think Goddard was really involved that much. So I think they've got too many weapons to be as uh, mismanaged as they're being right now. Um, and to touch on the last bit, uh, Drew Locke, I mean, that was crazy to see. That throw was insane. The catch was insane. Um, and it was, I mean, obviously it worked out well for us because we're Cowboys fans. Um, yeah. And then his post-game interview, that was super cool to see. 
and it kind of brings you back to 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 it kind of brings you back to life and to realism that like these dudes are still humans. Like right. you know, we show up every, uh, every day to work, and some days there's bad days where we're like, "Damn, am I good at this? You know, can I still do this? Like, right. am I getting the job done?" And we we hold these players and these athletes to such high regard, like they they never mess up. And it was cool to see him say like, you know, I I mean, he's a professional athlete. He's the elite of the elite, and he's over here questioning like, "Man, can I still play ball? Like, can I do this?" And then to go out there. And for him to say that on live TV and the reporter kind of feed into it and do a really good job with that as well. Yeah. And letting him kind of explain it. I thought, I just thought that was super cool to see uh, from someone of that stature playing, you know, he's kind of been up and down this season with playing, not playing, not knowing when he's going to play. And so that was super cool to see. And, and it was awesome to see him talk about it as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's an excellent point. And to go into that, I would say the Seahawks, I think they are uh, ain't right back university. <laughs> you know, I, they're just, they've got these, you know, Gino was an amazing story. And then you come in here and, you know, you watch Drew Locke play and, and just go out there and play fearless. And that's my favorite kind of ball to watch. Um, and Drew Locke, man, just shout out to him. You know, thanks, by the way, um, but, you know, for doing what you did <laughs> with the touchdown pass. And it was a great ball. And, you know, and just the one quick point I will say about, the, the two quick points I'll say about the Eagles is one, the analyst was right before yeah. the season. We talked about it. People thought he was a hater and it was, it's, you just have to, and like the kid says a lot of times, you have to just listen to the language of what he's trying to say objectively. And it's look, this isn't him. This isn't his identity. His identity is not to throw it 40 times a game. They've got a dominant offensive line where they gas you underneath with the runs with the RPOs, and then they, like you said, get those one-on-one mismatches. Well, they're breaking away from that. Now they're playing two high safeties on them all the time, and they're playing the run well because they're baiting the run. And then when they try and pass, open it up. That's why you're seeing a lot of Jalen Hurts trying to escape the pocket. And then that second point is uh, just with Hurts, you know, being mismanaged and stuff like that. I just – the turnover issue, he's had three straight games with zero touchdown passes. Yeah. And they've been playing Hurt. Or he's been playing hurt. He's been playing sick, and he's also been playing on odd days. He said back to back, or he he's been back to back Monday night football games, and I think he's having a third Monday night. Oh wait, yeah, no Sunday night football game, Monday night football game. Next week's another Monday night football game um, on Christmas Day, and it's just been a little wacky schedule for some teams. There's a lot of people I think kind of forget um, yeah. the I think Detroit, Miami, some other teams have had some wacky things that might have caused an L because yeah. it's just awkward um maybe during the 49ers losing streak that might have been all over the place there i think but um yeah i mean the, the eagles i think will kick it back into gear get in rhythm and get comfortable yeah. and figure some things out but i don't think they can win the super bowl um and we'll just have to see uh if they uh, hopefully the cowboys can you know chalk these next three games up and secure number one seed yeah that would um, be nice that would be that would be nice, and I, I don't really have a lot to say a lot to say about this Sunday night football game against the Ravens. I know, so the the Ravens win this one twenty three to seven. Um, you know, there's three like I mentioned before earlier in the podcast very briefly, but there's three teams in the AFC South that are that are at eight and six that have split games with one another. You know, you got the 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 Jaguars, the Colts, and the Texans all right there um, in the works to get the first seed. And we predicted a couple weeks back that the Texans would get Texans would would deserve that number one spot. Um, T-Law hasn't been playing what he's been 
you know, lived up and hyped up to be preseason. Um, I understand that he lost Christian Kurt, but he's had his number one, and they just haven't seen to get it together. They've been getting less than a 50%, you know, basically target um, uh, percentage success rate, basically. You know, I see a lot of games where Calvin really has five catches for 12 yards or five yeah. catches for 12 targets, you know, and it's just a little wacky. But they did miss that call. I believe that was a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Oh, it reminded yeah. me a lot of the Cole Beasley one. Yeah. Um, years ago against the Bills were on like a fourth and 20. Dak Prescott rolls out. I think this is one of Dak's best throws of his career. Oh, yeah. That was insane. By the way. And um, catching that ball, getting that knee down. I mean, it was the exact same thing um, in slower speed, too. Um, it wasn't as bang, bang as the Cole Beasley one. Um, missed call. I think the – and just to, to add on to that, the officiating this year has just been atrocious. It's yeah, just it's been, been terrible. So and I'm so tired of hearing about it because you hear it in baseball too, and you're just like, man, why can't we get it right? Why was it's never been like this? And yeah, um, and maybe it has, we just haven't been paying attention. But <laughs> yeah, um, and then the last thing I'll say with the Ravens, man, you know, Lamar Jackson, you're having an incredible year, you're an MVP candidate, and you're out there with you know three injured running backs. Gus Edwards is your number one now, uh, no tight end one, no wide receiver one, and your defense is cranking. You you just Man, I mean, you got to give it to him. Um, yeah. Lamar Jackson, you know, he isn't going to light up the scoreboard every week, and you definitely shouldn't bet on him in terms of, like, one significant yardage over the other. Yeah. He could either run for 200 or pass for 200 or do both. Um, yeah. So, yeah, shout out for Lamar Jackson. He's got, um, I guess, half a vote from me for MVP. If he wins against the 49ers, I, I, I'd give him the MVP for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge game. Yeah, and – I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch much of this game outside of the couple points you talked about, but yeah. Um, the thing I have about Lamar Jackson is how we talk about oppositely of like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson seems like he does what he needs to do to win games. Like right. if he needs to run the ball 12 times for 80 yards and a touchdown, but only pass for 120, like he's doing that. And uh, it, it, it seems like he's not much of a, a stat. Like he doesn't care. And he works with what he has. And, you know, I think it's a shout out to him. Shout out to that coaching uh, staff over there. It's like they play good teams in and out. They've done it his whole career. And he just does whatever he needs to do to get to get the job done. And, um, you know, at the end of at the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't matter what the stats look like as long as you win games. And so, you know, that's just I think that's something cool to see, especially after signing that big deal this past year. And, uh, you know, I, I'm with you if he continues to play like he is. Like, I mean, you, you can't not look at him as an MVP candidate as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now it is time for the Rooks looks. <laughs> um, got way too ahead of myself earlier. Um, but, yeah, you got the Rooks looks, the fantasy startup sit followed by the heave of the week. And I'll give you all a little recap of uh, week 15. I did all right. Um, not too good. But. Okay, I told everybody to start Javante Williams. He ended up getting everybody, you know, four PPR points, 12 <laughs> carries, 27 yards. He was hoed a touchdown on the offensive um, offsides penalty, but you know, the game was kind of out of reach anyway. I told everybody to start Derrick Henry, <laughs> the Tennessee running back versus Houston. Jesus. Usually he goes off against these AFC South opponents. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he set the record, 16 carries, nine yards, four receptions, one yard. I mean, this is just an atrocious stat line five ppr points i'm sorry everybody um 
And then this was uh, a risky one, but I said because uh, San Francisco has some trouble with running quarterbacks sometimes. But you know, sit Kyler Murray, the Arizona quarterback, playing uh, San Francisco, but he ended up getting a, a basically his projection fifteen point three four PPR points. He was twenty six of forty, two hundred eleven yards and a touchdown and two picks with forty nine yards on the ground with six carries. Um, so decent performance there by Kyler Murray. Um, Stitt, Ezekiel Elliott versus Kansas City. I figured Kansas City would come out of the woodworks firing after their, you know, their Bills scandal. Um, <laughs> but 9.6 PPR points for Zeke, only 11 carries for 25 yards. But most of his points came from the five receptions that he had. He's been pretty involved in the passing game. So just kind of keep an eye on him, on him for a flex spot if you're low at running back and happen to grab him. Um, and this is the one I hit on that I, I liked the most is, was the sleeper. Um, David Njoku, the Cleveland tight end versus Chicago, yeah. he ended up getting 26.4 PPR points, 10 receptions out of 14 targets, 104 yards, and a touchdown. That's the you know, last two or three games has been exploding with uh, with Joe Flacco at the helm. Um, so David Njoku's hopping up the tight end rankings for fantasy. Um, okay, week 16, stardom sit him. Um, Michael Pittman, like you mentioned earlier, might be out. So start Josh Downs, Indianapolis wide receiver versus Atlanta, a team that I think is probably going to give up. Could see a good offensive gain. Indianapolis is trying to get into the playoffs. Um, Pittman, you know, brutal hit. Shout out T's and P's for him. Downs is next in line. Um, start Jordan Love, Green Bay quarterback versus Carolina. I think this should be a much more healthy team for this game carolina you know not a great football team they could up upset and just absolutely dud somebody so watch out for that uh, but reed dubes wicks and uh watson um if they're good to go you know you could see a much better production um out of jordan love and then sit terry mclaurin the washington wide receiver versus the new york jets um originally i had a a, a reason why I thought the Jets would play harder, but after the recent reports came out about Aaron Rodgers, you know, needing another three or four weeks, I'm not sure this one would play into that factor there, but I, you know, just, this is just two really crappy teams. I don't really like the matchup um, at cornerback for Terry McLaurin. It's just a feeling, um, but uh, sit Deandre Swift, the Philadelphia running back versus New York giants. Y'all might call me crazy and I could be completely wrong about this, but he's had four straight games under 10 PPR points. It doesn't seem like Nick Sirianni listened to those fans on the sidewalk outside their practice facility telling them <laughs> on the ball. Uh, you might have given him coffee, but, you know, you didn't put any creamer in there. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, Hurts, you know, I think Hurts is going to throw versus this week's secondary. It's been their identity for some reason all year long. So maybe expect a big game through the air from Hurts and maybe not so much from, you know, DeAndre Swift. Now, he might get yardage, but he's just not getting those red zone uh, targets in the, in, in the end zone because of the tush push. Uh, and then my sleeper, this is – Another one of my favorite ones, both my sleepers. Um, Rashi Rice, the Kansas City wide receiver versus the Raiders. Man, he's been productive in his last yeah. few games. I mean, he is really coming into his role as a number one. Um, is he a number one? I wouldn't say so, but, I mean, he's really been productive, and Mahomes has been looking at, making him look good. Um, he fits the scheme pretty well. But Kelsey's been slacking. When Kelsey starts slacking is when you see Rice's production increase. Um, and so, that you know, that's your week 16 stardom sit -em. And then my heave of the week. Um, this one was kind of tough to find this week, but I ended up finding one that I thought fit perfectly, and and that is Drew Lock. Um, and this is a perfect one, I think, for us as Cowboys fans, especially. Um, so let's get in right into to some play by play. Let's do the play by play. Do the roll. Here we go. 
and I can do my I should how might do my Joe Buck one. Let's see. All right. 17 to 13 here, and you got the Philadelphia Eagles, NFCA's former champs of 2022 coming in here, trying to secure a win. Seahawks with no timeouts. Troy, the Hall of Famer, sitting next to me right here in the booth. True Lock drops back and finds a man right side, and he and that is a disgusting <laughs> act. That is a disgusting act by Drew Locke coming in here and slamming his nuts on the table, <laughs> securing a number one spot for the Dallas Cowboys, who I hate, by the way, covering. Um, but that is your key of the week, and that's Drew Locke with your key of the week. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good play All right, sweet. No, play by play, play by play. Okay. Tracking the boys, recap of week 15, our favorite part of the podcast where we, you know, we ignored all the depression at the beginning of the podcast and we'll get into the depression right now. Um, <laughs> but your Fox, this was your Fox game of the week. The Buffalo Bills, 31, Cowboys, 10 at Orchard Park. This was an away game. Weather was kind of shaky, a uh, little windy, a little cold. Oh, man, this was my worst fear coming to fruition. But, you know, I think it's best that we start with the defense because most of our complaints are going to come to the defensive side and we'll flip back to the offense and then we'll get into our DAC on track segment. Um, but what do you have on the defensive side of the ball? Um, and I'll let you take over the defense. And if I have anything left to say, you know, we'll, we'll just chime in because I know we probably have the same exact things we got we want to say about this game. But, yeah, what do you got? Yeah. So nothing good about defense, really. Um, really? And so – yeah, just going into it, the defense did not look great. Um, and, you know, the reason being uh, as opposed to like other games like Seattle or or even the, the Eagles ones at the beginning of the year, it's that in this one, it seemed like, and it didn't seem like it was, the Bills basically said like, hey, we're going to run the ball down your throat and you're right. not going to do anything about it. And that's what they did. And to have a player like Josh Allen, have weapons like Stephon Diggs and, and Kincaid and Knox and Davis and stuff like that, and for him to throw – what do you throw, seven for 15? Yeah. Or seven. something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, five – what was it? Five of the passes were to a running back. And so to see to see them do that is kind of disappointing. Um, and I know there's been a lot of hate about Mozzie Smith. And I think it's crazy that you could look at that game and point one player and be like, yeah, that's why we lost because of Mozzie yeah, Smith. because of like, Smith. Brother, that's not it. Everybody on that defensive line and in the the intermediate part of the field just got ran all over. And it it really, you know, you just saw flashbacks of when the Rams did us in the did it to the play and did it to us in the playoffs a few years ago, when the 49ers do it. Um, yeah. And, and it just, that, that looked like what it, that, that's what it looked like. It just looks like, it looked like the Bills offense just said like, Hey, we're going to do this and you're not going to do anything about it. And that's what happened. And it happened all game. James Cook had like 250 all purpose yards against us. Um, and, and it was just, it was tough to watch. And I, I just thought it was very fluky. I mean, yeah. it'd be one thing if like, you know, they threw the ball and, and ran the ball all over us. Like, if they did one or the other and just had us guessing the whole game, I feel like that would be different. Or if there was, like, an absolute just, like, they found, like, one or two matchups that they could expose. Like, if they found a DB that, you know, was struggling like Bland was the other day and 
and something like that, just mismatch just a little bit, that would be, I, I wouldn't say I'd be fine, but I, I would at least be a little more confident. But with this, it just looked like they literally just lined up and said, we're better than you. We're going to do this and y'all aren't going to do anything about it. And it really, it really just took the wind out of the sails. And there really isn't, I mean, you can't, I guess you could say the, the secondary looked okay because they didn't have to throw the ball against them. Um, right. But, you know, linebackers did not look good. Um, defensive line did not look good. The, the coaching plan going in was not great. I mean, at some point, I thought it was just interesting how you didn't just go, you know, nine in the box and see what happens. Um, and so that's just that that was just tough to see. And I, I've said it multiple times, one uh, a couple times on here and then plenty of times off off the podcast is when Dallas defense plays good teams, they struggle. Yeah. And if you've looked at it, you know, 49ers struggle. Eagles first game, first game struggle. Seahawks struggle this game awful and so that's the only biggest concern I have is that it seems like when we play bad teams like yeah we smother them but when we play now yes we we beat the Eagles pretty bad and that could have been one thing you know you have a very uh, apex moment of the year where you beat the division leader and then you have to come down from that and play this team and I know it's in the middle of the gauntlet and there's all excuses you could look at. Everybody being sick and shitting their pants all week and stuff like that, <laughs> playing <laughs> playing in weird weather and whatnot. But it was just like, I mean, to get beat that way was a little disappointing. And seeing how the defense has played good teams, that that is the only, I guess, frightening part going through the rest of Scotland and then getting into the playoffs. But that's kind of yeah. all I have on the defense. It's pretty one-sided. There's really not many points to make. It just wasn't great. Yeah, I had two pivotal moments. Um from the defensive side of the ball that involved coaching um, and discipline. And, and that was um, the first one is why did Mike McCarthy not choose to challenge that Diggs fumble? I I just, I don't understand it. It completely changed the flow of the game. Um, In that point of the game, your, your defense is already getting, you know, brutally uh, destroyed and you need to get them off the field, you know, and, you go look at the replay, it's like clear as day, fumble. And we're just – it just, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't make much sense to me. I get it. You know, they got back to the yeah. line quick, and it was fast. And uh, Yeah, and, and my point to follow up with you about that is that, like, bro, we're still in the first half. Like, you got timeouts. Just use it. What It's one right. timeout, brother. Like, yeah. But he did come out and say, like, nothing was communicated to him. So, like, he couldn't get a replay or anybody looked at it. And I'm like, yeah, like well, that's tough. Hell. Like, but at that point, it's like – it's one timeout. Like if you challenge right. it, like at least your defense gets to rest for five minutes. Cause it's going to take them 30 years to look yeah. at this replay. So, but that's sorry, what looks like, no, yeah, I didn't know that. And I'm glad you said it. Cause I'm like, I mean, I don't expect Mike McCarthy to, you know, be sitting there with all the things he's got to pay attention to, to go, you know, I'm challenging that he needs somebody up above going, I just saw the replay challenge that shit right now. And then, yeah. you know, throw that you know, fat bit and, you know, you throw the red flag. Yeah. But um, so just, it just, that's bad on us. Like th- that can't happen. That's game management um, all the way around. And then the three key penalties, I think oh, that yeah. killed this game oh. early on the roughing the kicker on fourth down by Sam Williams, who should have easily blocked this thing. I mean, they just teach tackled you, the kicker. This like, is a who? high school rule. Yeah. J- this is a high school rule. You don't jump and you want to put your you know hands out there. You know, but you don't, don't want to jump, but also you jump to get out of the way. Like, bro, like just run into this foot 
go to the yeah. apex point, like hit the point. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it just was frustrating. It was undisciplined. He has the most penalties on special teams this year as an individual player. Um, and then roughing the passing on third and four from Demarcus Lawrence. Oh, I thought weak. this was a flop. Uh, I don't think this was on Demarcus Lawrence, but it was brutal. Um, and you're not going to uh, look as Cowboys fans. You're not going to get calls on the road. You're not. You're yeah. just you're going to have to play. You're going to play against it. And then the unnecessary roughness on second and nineteen or third and nineteen, whatever it was, on Jaron Curse. This was so ticky tacky. Oh, dude. This was, was so what, what? Like I understand like. Crown of the helmet, going to the back of the head, whatever. But, like, bro, you're a safety coming down to play the receiver who's in front of you. The ball is thrown high. It's a misthrow. It's kind of like when you reward an underthrown pass for a penalty. It's like a cheat yeah. code. Oh, shit, third and 14, chunk it to somebody down. Oh, I underthrew it. Penalty because you ran it. Yeah, it's just – it's like a loophole in the system. And, yeah. man, it just aggravated the well, shit. Well, and multiple, multiple people came out and said that if – if he would have caught that ball, that wouldn't have been a penalty. And that's what's nuts is that, like, it would have been a clean tackle or whatnot if if he would have caught the ball. So yeah. him missing it is just like – and you're you're essentially calling a penalty for him hitting him hard. Like, yes, right. there was a, a slight head-to-head contact, but at the same time, it obviously wasn't malicious. Like, yeah. he didn't do – like, he didn't go head down. Like, that's just how it ended up. And But, I mean, point to what you just said, which was perfect, is that you're – you're the most watched team in the NFL. You're the biggest uh, organization in all of sports. All eyes are on you. You're not. You're not. The penalties are not going to go your way most of the time. No, no. And it's 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 like a movie. You know, you're, they're going to cheat in the ring. You know, in the gladiator, you're going to get dirt thrown in your eye. You're going to be stabbed before the fight. You know, yeah. those things happen when you're the the guy that everybody. You know, when the Cowboys lose, David Hellman talked about it on Speak. The Cowboys lose. It's good for business. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to be there. I'm not, I'm not taking the victim side here. I'm just saying that's no. how it is. No. Man up, suck it up, drop your nuts and play and play your asses off. Uh, I'm, and I'm not your owner either. I'm just saying that. that yeah. You know, you know what I'm trying to say, but, uh, I do want to play this clip though. I thought this was, thought this was a, a pretty impressive strategy from Joe Brady. Um, and then we can move into the offense, but I had a clip right here about him doing in-game transition. So well, like I, I, you know, I'm probably a broken record when I say this, but there's a way to win every game. And, you know, um, the other coaches get paid too, right? And so, you know, we we think we have an idea going into the game about, hey, how we think this is how they might play it or, you know, this is how we think our guys are going to respond to something. And then, you know, sometimes we get that, sometimes we don't. It's, you know, it's critical that, you know, we we find that, you know, whatever that is that that is working or try to continue to, um, to try to find whatever that is if it's not um and so, uh, you know, I think last night was just uh, a product of, you know, I don't think anybody envisioned being able to have that much success. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I knew that going into the game, but I felt confident in the guys up front. I felt confident we'd be able to run the football and, um, you know, it wasn't broken. So why try to fix it? And, um, you know, I was proud of the way that the guys responded and kind of how they played. And, you know, they didn't blink. They were like, do it again. And uh, just seeing our receivers and our tight ends, you know, uh, even Josh, just uh, the way that they were playing, knowing that the pass game wasn't, the emphasis uh, it was a lot of fun to, a lot of fun to see yeah I, I, that's that's a perfect way to describe it and I, if it ain't broke don't fix it um a, a lot of NFL coaches seem to get away from this and I think that that's key about what Dallas needs to do on the road obviously you're going to have your struggles man change things up you know if it ain't working fix it um yeah. and this was like high school it's like man this this one play to the left is really working we just do it all night 
the smash yeah. concept and just do it all night. And um, I, the last thing I'll say about the defensive side of the ball, you know, in terms of, you know, the bills, um, which yeah, one shout out to Joe Brady with, you know, the offensive adjustments mid game, like, Hey, this shit's working, do it. But <laughs> we talked about it. Josh Allen, seven to 15 on the night. He gets the game ball. Oh, that was tough. He gets the game. I, I, I know I could see it on Josh Allen's face. Like what the hell? Like, yeah. At post game interview, he's like, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they gave him the game ball. I thought that was he, he even he was like, Man, what the f- why? <laughs> yeah, made no sense. So yeah. All right. Offensive side of the ball. Um, look, not a lot of evidence here about any offense in particular, because like I said, these penalties, you know, the time of possession was drastically different for the Bills compared to the Cowboys. Um, it just it just killed off killed us offensively. There was no room to generate a rhythm. And what's unfortunate, and one of the key points I have written down here is that the run game was working early on. I mean, Pollard yeah. was looking smooth. The offensive line was getting an outstanding push, and we never got an opportunity to use it. And this is this is a weaponized arsenal to use. If your run game is working on the road and you have an opportunity to – and I hate to use the word, you know, because dare I say it because Cam Newton say it, but um, game manage on the road against a really good team in control of W, there ain't nothing wrong with that. And – in a game where we needed somebody like Pollard, this was one of my predictions. If everything went right in the previous pod, was that I get I I trust our offensive line and our run game more than theirs. <laughs> and what happened happened. But I'm like, we were getting such a good push in the offensive line, we never had an opportunity to carry out with it because the Cowboys got into unfortunately heave mode and yeah. they couldn't do shit. I mean, there was two high safeties the entire night. Um, they weren't stacking the box. Nobody was open. If you watch the replays, um, Dak's trying to scramble out in the pocket and look around. Nobody's getting separation, and he's getting the they're getting to the quarterback quick. They're generating pressure very fast. And the last thing I'll say, Terrence Steele had an awful, awful night at yeah. right tackle. So yeah, just not much on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah, and the same thing on the defense. They're just uh, the as same as the defense and the offense. Like there's really nothing good to talk about. Um, it just seemed like there was never a rhythm. It said that it seemed like there was just something off the whole time. And like you said, you know, they were getting pressure with four all night. Um, nobody was getting separation. I think, I mean, and this is on Dak as well, which we'll talk about, but I think a lot of at the line adjustments, he was not correct on. Um, but I agree with you. It seemed like running the ball was working and at least taking some pressure off the offensive line. And it just seemed like they were so quick to, Honestly, to me, it seemed like they were so quick to just shell up and go conservative mode super yes. quick. And that's that's cool and all if it's like the Jets game where they're giving you a part of the field, which they were. The middle of the field was really open a lot of the time. And just there was no separation. There was nobody there. And just nothing seemed to work. And, you know, honestly, I mean, we all we all knew it. This game looked over by halftime. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was just tough to watch and, you know, I guess if one positive note, it seems like Pollard is finally coming back to fruition. Um, You know, a lot of people forget that his injury last year was a broken leg. Okay. So, I mean, he still broke his leg. And then the year before that, he had a plantar fasciitis uh, tear. So, like, he's had two years where, you know, he's kind of dealt with a little bit of injury and so does it is something that you do like have to come back from and it takes a little bit as we've seen with a lot of different athletes and stuff like that, but it is good to see 
at this time of the year that he's getting fully healthy and full on track um, because this might be part of the year where, hey, we need to just control the game and we need to be able to run the ball in the third and fourth quarter and put games away rather than have to get into a shootout match. Um, exactly. But, um, you know, like I said, not a lot of good things from the offense. Um, yeah, I know I'm surprised not more people talk about Dak's interception, but at that time of the game, it was like, who cares? Might as well throw another one. Shoot. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I'd rather him see, I'd rather see him throw an interception on something down the field than where the hell that was. But, you know, um, really, really tough and really kind of disappointing outings from both sides of the ball in this yeah. game. And that's kind of all I have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of transitions perfectly into the, you know, the Dak on track, we were talking about it and you were, you probably saw the text when we were in the chat off the record, you know, before halftime, I was like, this is one of those games where Dak's going to throw a pick in the second, like in the fourth quarter and, and just people will go nuts about it. All oh, interceptions, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just trying to make a play coach kind of, kind of mentality out there. Like, well, you know, might as well go balls to the wall here. And, you know, Unfortunately, he threw to the shortest receiver we got, yeah. you know, like eight eight feet above his head, you know, trying to throw. But, uh, yeah, we'll get the chart up for you guys here. I mean, obviously, it's not impressive at all. You, you know, they don't expect a high grade from us um, at all. But, yeah, here's your uh, – I'll hide that for you guys. Here's your passing chart if you're watching. But if you're, uh, if you're listening, he went 21 of 34, 134 yards, you know, zero touchdowns, one interception. Uh, he had that one deep pass incomplete early on in the game that he missed by inches. Um, and the rest were just under 10 yards. I mean, nothing was working in the middle of the field. Nothing was working intermediately. It was just very, very poor production schematically, offensively, and because of the defense, um, you could argue, with um, just hand-in-hand, hand, everything just did not work out. Yeah. And uh, it almost and I kept saying I said it on Twitter, the Cowboys didn't leave the tunnel or they didn't like they didn't yeah. come out the tunnel before the game. But uh, yeah, my grade on this one was a D plus. And, uh, you know, don't let the plus fool you. I just yeah. I, I, I like to have that that plus in there is because this is the Dak Prescott I know and love at the end of the game when he's just a dirt bag kind of a game and he, he just no quitting him, you know, and. The, trying to get some type of a rhythm to go into Miami. You know, it was nice to end on a score, even <laughs> though it wasn't a pass. But, um, you know, people were saying, like, you know, why is Dak Prescott in? I didn't like him being in. But I, what I do like is that, you know, I just remember that 2019 year when we were 8-8. Eight and eight, Defense was atrocious. Mitchell Trubisky looking like Lamar Jackson on us. <laughs> but the one person that consistently showed up every night, every day, every time – was Dak Prescott. No matter the score, we were always like, man, the only person who showed up today was Dak. Yeah. And I, it kind of reminded me of, of this game, even though the cards were down. Um, you know, there's no quitting Dak. You know, and I know personally, he probably – he don't give a shit about no MVP. And he said it after in the postgame press conference, like, I don't care. You know, I, I just yeah. want to – you know, and that's him. We all know that. But, yeah, D-plus for him. I got a 68.8 grade for him. Um it just kind of a little kudo points at the end for just, I guess, not giving up. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a D to D plus letter grade. And, and like you said, you know, nothing went the way that any of us wanted to, wanted it to. Um, and I give him mainly a D not just cause like, obviously there's going to be bad performance or whatnot, 
I thought some of his line adjustments and and some of his decision making wasn't necessarily all there where it has been the last you know seven weeks. Um, I thought they were. I thought, and this props to the Bills. I thought the Bills did a great job on defense. Um, you know, disguising coverage, moving in and out of zones, um, and getting pressure with with minimal minimal defensive linemen and whatnot. Um, but I just thought some. It, it just wasn't. They just they just weren't about it this game, and it, you could see on both sides of the ball it just wasn't there. So yeah, I give them a D to D plus. Um, and just, you know, obviously hoping for a bounce back game next week. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and we will get into predictions, you know, later this week, like I said, we're going to be recording with the analysts on Friday. We're going to be dropping it Saturday morning before those games. So you can get back on track with your predictions over the Christmas weekend and, uh, and see how those predictions and recap come into fruition, you know, once the holiday ends. Um, so you'll have two episodes worth of content for the, for the next two weeks. Um, should be an exciting week. I, I really do think the Cowboys will come out on fire, you know, and me and Ryan will talk about it. We'll talk about it soon, but, uh, you know, they have no choice now with that after the, yeah. the win from the Seattle, hopefully we see good things, but, yeah. um, but yeah, this is track 27, um, a track Christmas part <laughs> one, part two will be later this week. Um, and like I mentioned before, um, if you're a first time listener, if you're somebody that's been along for the journey just always remember to download like follow share it you know subscribe to the podcast on youtube you can watch it on youtube and spotify um and then you can obviously listen listen to it on apple podcast iheart radio i mean you name it um spotify when your phone's closed but yeah your link our link trees check it out in our social media bios it'll give you access to all of the different platforms that we have um and we're excited for a new year. Um, we probably won't be back until right. But I'll probably drop a little something before the, before the new year, a little new year's resolution special, but we've got some really big plans for 2024 that we've been collaborating on. And we're excited about some upgrades and some guests and whatnot. So a lot of promises to fulfill in 2024, but Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, keep those traditions intact. We will see you guys on Saturday and y'all have a, a good, good holiday. So. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas. All right. Appreciate it. The medical guy, as always. Thank you. And we will see you all later.